Kalofalava. This is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susanna Suisuiki. Like the only information is on the news or like from friends. Pacific Youth in New Zealand's South Island say they feel forgotten regarding the election. Also, these milestones celebrate eras of change. The Cook Islands and Niue established diplomatic ties with the US. And later, it brings me to tears because our ocean is just as important as our land in the Pacific. Final Funua chats with the new Masamoa. Pacific youth and first-time voters in Aotearoa, New Zealand, feel forgotten and ill-equipped ahead of the election. Pacifica have the fastest-growing youth population in the country. Their main concerns are the cost of living and beating the dire statistics stacked against them. Alicia Foon travelled to the South Island to hear from some of those first-time voters. Pacifica have been long established in areas like Temaru and Christchurch, but their voices haven't always been heard. Do you feel like you're a part of the conversation? Not really, I'm just yeah. sitting in the background. Year 13 student at Temaru Boys High, Galuseti Moimoi, grew up in Oamaru, and the upcoming election marks his first time voting. He's enrolled to vote, but doesn't quite know where to start. I'm not really sure what I'm going to vote for, you know. don't really know much about the parties or what they plan on doing. Yeah, I don't think there's much, much education around that. More than half of New Zealand's Pacific population is under 25 years old. The growing group wants to feel empowered to speak up on issues like climate change and creating a better future for their families. But a lack of civic information has left people in the dark. With less than one month to go until they're expected to make a decision, head girl of Rangiora New Life School, Savina Ma'u, has concerns. I don't get any information about this at school. Like, the only information is on the news or, like, from friends. This is the society we're going to live in. So, like, it's key to know what kind of party is going to lead our country. Although she's still learning the names and values of each party, her vote will go towards one that prioritises Pacific Language Weeks and addresses the cost of living. Back then, $20 could get you a lot, but now $20 can only get you maybe like three individual stuff. Every family will go through periods of time where it's just stress because they're like, oh, will this be paid off or this? Will we have payment for the next groceries? Kalusiti Moimoi says his family is also feeling the pressure of rising costs. He hopes getting a degree at the University of Canterbury to become an accountant will change that. It's been pretty important since I was young. Get education and work for my family. It's probably number one. Work for family, that's, that's what my mum was always talking about. Five to things at home, so it's pretty hard. I know my parents work hard, so we can uh, you know, eat, even go to school. You know, I, I want to graduate and work. main reason I go to UC is for, so I can get you know, money for the family. That's probably my main goal. General Manager of the Timaru Tongan Society, Sina Latu, says her community is often left out of the conversation. The Electoral Commission said that they had been in touch with different Pacific communities and church leaders across the country. Has anyone approached you? Uh, no. And maybe they have in the big city. And I, and I guess this really shows, because we are from Timaru, the Pacifica community are just starting to grow. Um, it really shows how we are not heard because we are down south and it's important for them if, if they reach out to the big cities. 
they need to reach out everywhere. No, it's not good enough because then we ourselves here are trying to encourage our young ones and also those that um, has enrolled before to enroll to vote. But if we didn't do that, majority of our people won't vote. And then there's Benny Latu, who moved to New Zealand from Tonga in 2000. He's never voted. I didn't I haven't voted, so I um, I didn't fifty this year. I'm happy finally I enrolled to vote. So yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to to, to take, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Latu wants the next government to make sure the Ministry for Pacific Peoples stays. For him, their language weeks foster a deep sense of Pacific pride and belonging, especially for Pacifica in the South Island. The New Zealand government has welcomed the establishment of diplomatic relations between the United States, Cook Islands and Niue. At the second U.S.-Pacific summit in Washington this morning, President Joe Biden announced that the U.S. recognises them as sovereign and independent states. It's an announcement which the U.S. Embassy in Aotearoa has labelled as historic. Lydia Lewis reports. Niue and Cook Islands are celebrating today. These milestones celebrate eras of change and demonstrate that with unshakable resolve and leadership, remarkable achievements are possible. That's the way the Pacific Islands Forum Chair and Cook Islands Prime Minister Mark Brown described President Joe Biden's announcements. The United States is formally establishing diplomatic relations with the Cook Islands. The real reason is we're both from Baltimore. Um, That's a long story. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade says the establishment of these new diplomatic relations does not change the constitutional relationship Aotearoa New Zealand has with either the Cook Islands or Niue. That's a message echoed by Prime Minister Chris Hipkins. That's the way the American system works. So in order to recognise those specific countries, the, the, the wording that they use is they recognise their sovereignty. But actually they also recognise through diplomatic channels the unique constitutional relationship that those countries have with New Zealand. On top of talks about diplomatic ties, Joe Biden told Pacific leaders more than $20 million US dollars is being injected into climate assistance. I want you to know I hear you. The people of the United States and around the world hear you. We hear your warnings of a rising sea that would they pose an existential threat to your nations. We hear your calls for reassurance that you never, never, never will lose your statehood or membership of the UN as a result of a climate crisis. This, days after the US was slammed by Pacific youth climate warrior Suluwafi Brianna Fruin following the UN Climate Ambitions Summit. Australia and the U.S. were examples of countries that have not been moving at the same speed as which they've been talking. In addition, President Biden announced the doubling of U.S. Pacific exchange student spots. He says the U.S. will also pay five million U.S. dollars towards a fisheries and ocean science vessel, which will be used to manage the region's tuna resources and for ocean science research. Meanwhile, defence and security analyst Dr Anna Poles, who's in Washington for a conference on the Pacific, told Lydia Lewis the second US-Pacific meeting has been a significant one. I think it sends a really strong signal, actually, that a number of the areas that Pacific countries have been seeking the US to prioritise 
and uh, and issues that they want to be, to be listened to on uh, have been have been are clearly picked up in 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 this in this agreement. So there's some strong messaging in the agreement about the centrality of the Pacific Islands Forum. There's some you know, clear. Uh, Clear language around uh, around climate change. Uh, there's the recognition of Cook Islands and Niue, which uh, enables both of those countries to now receive uh, funding uh, from the US, uh, which previously they were not able to do so because of the this, uh, not having diplomatic relations with the US as such, not being recognised as, as independent and, and, and sovereign. Why weren't they recognised before now? And is it as of today? I'm not exactly sure what date that means. They obviously have to establish diplomatic relations with, with each of with the Cook Islands and, and Niue. So that, that that is a process that has been underway already. And previously, no, they did not. They did not have formal diplomatic um, relations with Cook Islands and Niue, in which they recognised both uh, sovereign independent countries. And the recognition of sovereign independent countries is it merely just what we see at surface value that they can now receive diplomatic funding from the US, or could this go a step further in supporting Niue and the Cook Islands moving towards independence away from New Zealand? This is very much about that material benefit that Cook Islands and Niue will will um, receive from the U.S. as a consequence of this. Uh, I I am sure that the U.S. would be v- stepping very carefully through any conversation around supporting either Cook Islands or Niue independence from from New Zealand. So that's certainly not part of the package as such. It is it is very much about ensuring that. Cook Islands and UA are able to receive development assistance funding. And also there's obviously also a strategic benefit from the United States perspective to have diplomatic presence or at least diplomatic reach into, into both of those countries. And finally, I wanted to ask you about climate finance. What were their climate commitments? Right. So this is what this is obviously an area that everyone was watching really, really closely uh, to see um how the US was going to respond, particularly off the back of, of Unger last week. There were some strong views around that, particularly around fossil fuels and especially on climate finance. Exactly. So at the beginning of the summit, um, President Biden uh, said, he stated that his administration had requested from Congress uh, to approve 200 million US uh, in new assistance for the region, including financing to help the islands prepare for climate and hazard uh, and natural hazards and improve infrastructure and response. So, so that's a request that has been made to Congress. And But obviously, you know, there is no guarantee that that will necessarily be be approved. Was there anything else that stood out to you that you'd like to add? Uh, so I think there's a number of areas where actually the US has advanced a number of sort of, pri- for the sort of priority areas, which I think are quite interesting. There's a clear step up, uh, in- increased engagement, for instance, in the security space. There's a new military partnership that is announced. There will be a US Coast Guard vessel, which will be its main objective will be the training of of personnel across the Pacific. There is initiatives to address issues for veterans, for example, um, particularly those veterans in the the freely associated states. There is a a clear 
recognition of the need to engage through the Pacific Islands Forum and through the Dialogue Partners Mechanism specifically. And and then there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a collection of other kind of initiatives as well, but I, um, as well as, you know, increased, um, increasing diplomatic footprint through the opening of a um, embassy in Vanuatu in 2024. But what I think is all really important to note is that a lot of the the commitments that have been made, that were made last year, for instance, that they are st they still haven't come to fruition yet, even though there is there is there is indication that they will, such as for instance the six hundred million around the tuna treaty. Um, but there's a sense that there's still some way to go in terms of those those commitments actually uh, translating into tangible material outcomes in the region. Your overarching thoughts, the significance of the second meeting or how you view this meeting overall? It's really significant that we've had a second summit between the US and the Pacific leaders in two years. It's noteworthy that the next one won't happen until 2025. Obviously, the US elections are in 2024. And obviously the fact that Solomon Islands Prime Minister Marase Sogovare did not attend, declined to attend, has raised concerns in Washington about the motivations as to why he, he hasn't attended. And, and, and that certainly uh, suggests that uh, the US probably needs to rethink its strategy towards Solomon Islands and rethink how it can engage. An El Nino weather event has been declared for Vanuatu, meaning less rain and dry conditions. The Vanuatu Meteorological and Geohazards Department's Principal Scientific Officer under the Climate Services, Glenda Pakoa, told Moira Tulai Patela what this means for Vanuatu. El Nino means extreme below normal rainfall for Vanuatu. So that means um, we m might expect drier conditions for the next over the next few months. Uh, drier conditions can lead to uh, water shortages, food sh shortages. Uh, from experience in the past, we have communities who complain about their crops in the garden not yielding enough production. Uh, we also have, um, in terms of health, we have diarrhea, especially in areas where we fish water shortage, because uh, when there is not enough water, um, we have water contamination in areas, so people tend to look for water where uh, sources of water in streams, which is not healthy for communities. So this is what we have uh, faced in the past. So with this uh, El Nino event, we are more likely to expect uh, similar impacts uh, for the communities. We know that it's cyclone season begins in November. What will cyclone season mean for Vanuatu during El Nino? In Vanuatu, uh, El Nino does, doesn't really have an effect on the cyclone season. Based on previous studies, we usually uh, get a rich number of cyclones uh, during uh, cyclone seasons during an El Nino. But that's too early to confirm because our cy cyclone season outlook has not come out for for this season yet, but on average, we usually get the normal number of cyclones we usually get all year. So in terms of uh, El Nino during our cyclone season, we emphasized a lot in today's um, 
improving that people should make use of the tropical laws that are passing, especially during this cyclone season, because we know that during our wet season, there are troughs or area of clouds uh, dominant over the uh, Vanuatu group. We have tropical lows and these are the sources of rainfall that people rely on to collect water and uh, we emphasized a lot in this briefing that people should make use of these uh, weather uh, systems to collect and store water ready for our dry season. Yes. And, and when was the last time Vanuatu had El Nino as a weather event? Uh, the last time Vanuatu had an El Nino as a uh, weather event was in 2015. That was eight years ago. During that time, we have severe, severe impacts of uh, below normal rainfall throughout the country. We have... Um, water shortages especially from the southern islands so in Vanuatu uh, since our islands lay from north to south it's normal for the southern islands to face the impacts and the impact slowly progresses up until the northern islands so different locations different places the time scales to receive the impact is different so for the southern islands it may take up to few months and then for the Northern Islands, it may take up to a year before we start to face impact. So this is what, uh, how El Nino affects uh, Vanuatu in the local context. Uh, I would like to advise communities to make use of our wet season, store water, do not play around with water, especially farmers plant crops which are resistant to drought events. Overall, I would like to advise everyone to prepare for the El Nino impacts that uh, will still slowly, but will still reach us in the coming months. In July, the World Meteorological Organization declared El Nino conditions had developed in the tropical Pacific. Now, earlier this month, Samoa crowned its new Miss Samoa for 2023 to 2024, Moimoana that's how Salah Samo and Siva Afi performer isn't afraid to voice her opinions. From addressing the climate crisis to condemning Japan's release of nuclear wastewater into the Pacific, Moimwana says she intends to shed light on Pacific priorities. Finau Funua spoke with the Samoan beauty queen. According to Samoa Tourism, one of the objectives of the Miss Samoa pageant is to promote gender equality. From your observation, from your experience... What is the state of gender equality in Samoa? Women are definitely stepping up into leadership roles that you wouldn't see them in before. Of course, with our very own Samoan Prime Minister, um, Naomi Mata'afa being a woman, it really empowers other young women and girls to step up into their own power and um, achieve higher. And I know... At the moment, of course, in a lot of areas, there is still male dominance. Um, During the two-week pageant, we had a field trip to women working in STEM industries. And, of course, they were speaking to how they're one of few women who work in the department, but how that the numbers are continuing to rise and the representation of women are continuing to rise. So gender equality is still something that is being worked on in Samoa, but it is it is looking good with the higher percentages of women 
stepping up into leadership positions. And hopefully through my Misamo platform, I continue to uplift our women. You're the face of Samoa. You'll be attending international events where you will have a platform to voice your opinions. Are there any issues or agendas that you would like to shed light on during your reign as Miss Samoa? Um, Across the world, the impacts of climate change are felt hardest by communities who are least responsible for carbon emissions. Um, including the Pacific Islands and Samoa, whose communities are on the front lines of the climate crisis. In Samoa, I know we are already facing and experiencing the brunt of the climate crisis. There's intense level five cyclones, there's king tides, um, there's a lot of saltwater inundation and rising sea levels threaten to swallow our islands. And these are all alarming circumstances that all Pacific people need to be aware of and need to understand the depth of this issue because when a cyclone hits, for instance, people need to know how to adapt and how to mitigate against the issues that are happening. The Pacific Islands are on the front lines. Um, There's islands like Marshall Islands, Kiribati and Tuvalu who will not survive in a world where the temperature rises over 1.5 degrees. So these are issues and science behind issues that I believe we all need to be aware of in Samoa and the Pacific, and it's something that I really stand for. Being from a nation like Australia, who is a big contributor to greenhouse emissions, it's really important for Samoans in the diaspora to use their voice, their very powerful voice, to continue to rally against big nations. Other things that I would really like to bring up in my reign as a Samoa is just Pacific Island nations, like we are already doing, continuing to be a good ally and a good neighbour to our other Pacific Islands who perhaps don't have their independence or are still fighting for their sovereignty. And we have a lot of Pacific nations, um, brothers and sisters, who we stand in solidarity with. Um, In my own work in Australia, my community, some communities that I really stand for are our West Papua brothers and sisters who are in political turmoil at the moment who don't have sovereignty over their land. There's other nations who are still affected environmentally by bigger nations coming in and phosphate mining the resources there. You know, the nuclear testing happening in our waters. You know, quite recently we had Japan dump tons and tons of nuclear waste into our oceans. And obviously these are all big issues and it's hard to think as an everyday person, how will you help them? But I guess one really vital step is just educating yourself. And it almost, it brings me to tears, especially with our recent occurrence of Japan dumping nuclear waste in our waters, um, because our ocean is just as important as our land in the Pacific. And to know that other nations are coming in and disrespecting our oceans and our land, which are a source of life in the islands, is very disheartening. And I guess this is just one aspect of what I hope to amplify and raise awareness on during my reign. But yes, most importantly, being a good neighbour and ally to our Pacific brothers and sisters. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rndi.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, till fast we forward.